Tuesday edition, PFTOT, the post-PFT live show where we talk about the things we either didn't get to or that we want to talk about some more. And Chris, we have some updated information. I had said that the NFL has a habit of not immediately responding to certain topics that they would maybe prefer not responding to, but I did press them on this question of the mini bubble that the Saints have set up for training camp where Sean Payton has all of the players and the coaches and some of the key staff people staying in a hotel. Peter King talked about it earlier today. The sense was that Sean Payton didn't say thou shalt do it, but he did it. The team's doing it. The GM's doing it. The leaders are doing it. The rookies welcome it because they don't have houses yet. So everybody else is just going to do it. And the league's position is it's not mandatory, so it's not prohibited. So here's the obvious follow. Why don't you just have this non-mandatory bubble, this non-mandatory hotel stay all regular season long? That's going to be the best way to minimize the virus. So you don't need to go to the union and have a detailed negotiation on what it takes to get clearance to get guys to stay away from their families all five months of the season. You just do it. Yeah. And everybody's just going to do it. And, hey, hey, sorry, honey, I – I got everybody else is doing it. I got to do it. I can't be the only one who doesn't do it. And that's it. It sounds like the saints have tripped over the answer to the question. Now the question is whether other teams will consider doing it for training camp and then consider doing it beyond training. Camp. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the saints are interesting too, because they have unbelievable veteran leadership. We know that they're a team that is like on a mission right now. Cause they feel like they probably should have been in the last three super bowls at least, or, you know, in some NFC championship games and whatever else. So, you know, they're willing to do whatever they got to do, it sounds like, to make sure this, this season goes off the way they envision it. And they're not going to, you know, take the chances to let one of their players get infected or other media or other members of the organization or whatever it may be. Could be interesting to see where this does go throughout the NFL. You're right, Mike. I mean, it really is. Now, I don't know, you know, again, you can't force players, but I think, like, in this case, yeah. Oh, hey, Drew Brees is staying there. Oh, hey, Cam Jordan's there. Wait, Michael Thomas is staying there. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm, you know, okay. I'm the 47th guy in the roster. Yeah. All right. If they're doing it, I'll do it too. Now, where does it go, Mike? Can they find a fine line? Can they find a way, just as we thought about this, and I didn't get to say this when we were on the show today, but because it, it kind of came about in my brain after the fact. And, but, like, can the NFL maybe find a way or teams find a way to go, okay, you're in the bubble, right, from Tuesday night till, you know, Sunday after the game. Then you get to maybe go home after the game Sunday, you know, be with your family on Monday. Hopefully you're being careful and doing all the proper things. You know, come Tuesday morning, which is usually a player's day off, you got to come in, get tested, blah, blah, blah. We go through all that. And then we'd like you to check back into the hotel Tuesday night and stay there again until game time after the game or game time Sunday. I mean, it's just something that bounced in my head that maybe players can get their heads around and actually maybe want to do something like that. Here's the problem, though. Until they have point of care testing where you know when you come back that you're not positive right away and don't have to wait 24 hours for the answer, you're still going to have that donut hole. Look, I look at it this way. What happens every year? except this year, in April, May, and June, voluntary workouts. And how many players show up for the voluntary workouts on the good teams, on the successful teams? How many are there? They're all there. Yeah. That's the thing. They're all doing it. You do it. And think of it this way, too. Do you want to be the one who's going home every night 
and coming back to the facility every day when all the rest of the team goes to the hotel and comes back. So you're going to be the one who's got the cooties. Yeah. Remember that when you were a kid? Sure. You're going to be the one that they're all looking at differently because you may be the one who's bringing the virus into the building. They're going to stay more than six feet away from you. You're going to feel different. You're going to feel weird. And when you balance out all the stressors of staying away from your family versus being the one guy who isn't staying at the hotel, you're going to stay at the hotel. Yeah. It's human nature. Well, yeah. So. I, I, I just think that what the Saints are doing here, if they're th- – and for all we know, this is just kind of the trial run, and if it works, we're going to carry it into the season. And this is a way that Sean Payton is using the rules to his advantage. It's not mandatory. You don't – what do you mean? It's not mandatory. Right. You don't have to do it. We got a room for you. If you want to sleep here, sleep here. If not, go home. That's fine if you want to do it. Go ahead. Go home. Everybody else is here. You want to be the one who goes home? Go home. That I, I'm telling you, that the team that does that is going to be the team that's more likely to keep the virus out of the building. Yeah. And the team that keeps the virus out of the building is the team that's going to be standing there when we get to January and playing those single elimination games that count the most. Mike, this is why this again. You, it brings me back to the you know something I keep saying. And again, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I know this is real, but this is to me where you know. I, I think if a team misses a week because of COVID-19, it should count as a loss. This is, these are the scenarios. Because what if you have a team like the Saints who's doing everything right and doing it by the book, nobody's sick, you know, and then what? They have to miss a game or two because the other team gets COVID-19 and, oh, I don't know, maybe they'll make it up or whatever else, and it's going to, you know, ruin their schedule and the way they're playing because why? The other team was unprofessional and didn't do things right? I just think it's an interesting thing. But either way, Mike, I think you're right that the Saints are going to lead some teams down the tunnel to have this conversation. And, you know, again, the, 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 the scenario I brought up, too, with the 24, are we still at 24 hours even for these NFL yes. guys? I mean, that's yes. just crazy. Like, like I told you, I got tested. It was six hours. I, I just don't understand, understand that at some point. But, you know, I think if they could find a quicker way to get the results back, you might be able to pull off, hey, go home for two days, then back to the bubble. Uh, it, you know, if not everybody's comfortable just going to a bubble for, for five months in a row. Let's remember this, Chris. Thousands of Americans who are getting tested not because – it's part of their screening when they show up for work every day, but because they think they may have it, they have to wait five, seven days or longer because yeah. of the demands right now for the testing. Right. So there's the, the NFL has avoided so far this ethical question of whether or not they're hogging the reagents, even though they have their own setup, yeah. their own national lab that is flying these test uh, samples to be uh, properly evaluated. And you get the result back within 24 hours. They have avoided this question of whether or not all of the resources they're using for those tests, the reagents to determine whether or not you have it, are taking away from the general public. Uh, You know, the reality is efforts to push it even more aggressively will put even more of a strain. All right. Well, you know, until our federal government seems to care about it, you know, then I can't worry about it. I can't, you know, I know. I'm just saying that's if they don't care. Here's the thing. Point of care testing is coming. Yeah. It's not accurate enough yet, though. The concern is it's in the 80 to 85% range accurate. That test you got, if they didn't send it off to be tested in a lab, that test may not be as accurate as it could have been, as accurate as a test is that they send off for full analysis uh, at a laboratory. So it, it, they hope that they get point-of-care testing. We all need to have more rapid testing. We all need to have more available testing. But I think a lot of these problems are solved if you do have point-of-care testing. But 
But this notion, and, you know, to your point that if a team is wiped out of a position group and the commissioner just says, okay, well, we'll postpone this game until, you know, week 18 or maybe we won't play it at all, you're right. That could be manipulated. Like, oh, this is the week we're supposed to play the Chiefs. Hey, commissioner, we don't have any offensive linemen this week. We can't play the Chiefs this week. I mean, you know, uh, and and when you're talking about legacies and employment and everything that rides on the outcome of these games, there's going to be a temptation. If you think there's a way to avoid playing the Ravens or the Chiefs, you're going to explore whether or not there's a way to fudge these results so you don't have to play the Ravens or the Chiefs. Yeah, well, and it can become a competitive disadvantage just from the scenario you brought up to like, oh, okay, now we reschedule a game for week 18. Well, that team was supposed to, you know, not be playing. It was a, their bye week or something like that to get ready for the playoffs. Now you're making them play a game because they did everything right and, you know, Team B didn't do anything right back in October. And now, you know, Team B's not in the playoffs and has nothing to play for in this last game. But Team A needs to now win this game because they need their seating in the playoffs to be the right spot. And that's, to me, where it becomes a little bit of an unfair competitive advantage. And I just think that, yeah, you're going to have some teams who are going to have the veteran leadership and the coaches and everything like that, like a Sean Payton or a Belichick, who we know are going to do everything right. And I just I don't know if I feel the same way about every team across the board that way and you know, to me, that's unfair to the teams that are doing it the right way. Well, and and uh, I think as we get closer and closer to the games that count, we're going to start to hear more stories like this. And and I think that some of these teams are going to just make a de facto bubble and they're not going to ask for permission. They're not going to tell anybody they're doing it. It's just going to happen organically and naturally. And those are the teams that are going to be in the best position. You gave me a timeout on that one. You know that? I've never seen you do that one. I, did, I didn't. I, I just. <laughs> I'm t- I know. Look, I didn't. I was trying to. I was trying to get you off the topic before you went too I know. far. I just never down saw you do the that. rabbit I like hole. That. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Uh, all right. <laughs> You're going to give me a timeout during this one because I know you have no interest in the XFL, but, but Chris, a lot of people do. And now that The Rock has purchased the XFL along with his ex-wife and business manager, Danny Garcia, and Redbird Capital, they got it for $15 million. I was stunned yesterday. How do you buy the XFL for $15 million? Here's how you buy it for $15 million. There were no other qualified bidders for the XFL, <laughs> which tells you what it's worth right now. I mean – a sports league in a pandemic when we have no idea when you can sell tickets for people to come watch your games. We have no idea whether or not ESPN, ABC, and Fox will want to continue to televise those games, especially if you try to play in the spring and there are sports that have been moved from the fall to the spring, like maybe college football. Uh, it's not going to be the most lucrative property, but they have a vision for it. They believe in the product. It may take a few years for it to get back to what it was starting to be. They had some decent TV ratings. They yeah. started to drop off. They were facing some stiff competition. March Madness was coming before the the real March Madness arrived in the form of the pandemic. But I'm telling you, you get there aren't a lot of people whose names you can attach to something like the XFL I agree. and have instant excitement. And yeah. there aren't many that are going to trump Vince McMahon. And Ro- The Rock is one of the ones that takes this to another level, and it gets me even more interested. And, Chris, you were completely disinterested. you got to admit, when you heard The Rock was getting involved, you at least had a little bit of a flicker. It opened my eyes. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, because just about everything the guy touches, you know, turns to gold. I mean, he's, he's what, the, he's the most uh, – he's the richest movie star in the world right now, I think, per movie or per year or whatever it is. Either way, he's raking it in. Very smart. We know he's got a football background. 
You know, he is the kind of name or figurehead that could maybe sway a young kid or whatever else to to think about, oh, XFL, maybe one day if they can get in a spot, can challenge the NFL or steal a player or two, whatever it may be. But that's where it's got to get to. So he's going to have to work on publicizing the league, getting it to be getting to a place where, yeah, everybody takes it serious and wants to do it. But I still think, hey, the big obstacle is going to be always come down to what we said to begin with. You know, it's we just when you need some stars and that's where Dwayne Johnson, the rock is going to have to start thinking about how he's going to get those guys on his team. You know, I know there's there's plenty of guys out there to build teams and certainly some solid football players that aren't in the NFL that probably deserve to be. And you'll get some good quality football. But we like to watch stars in this country. We do. That's 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 what it's all about. And we want to see guys that can do special things. And that's where, to me, will be the biggest hurdle into legitimizing it and really you know, turning the corner to where somebody like the guys like me will want to watch it. Yeah, and that's the key. They need to attract stars. They need to cultivate stars. They need to keep their stars. That was one of the issues that I had. And they were starting to, right? The quarterback for the Houston Roughnecks, whose name I've already forgotten. Do you remember who it was? Well, I can't remember who it was, but he was playing really well. well you're, He's the guy that was in the NFL about, for a cup of coffee. You're talking about the Carolina Panthers? Walker. Uh, Walker, yeah, PJ, PJ Walker, PJ yes. Walker, right. yeah, he's he's but the well, Panthers I didn't now, pay attention. But... I couldn't remember what team he was on. So when you said Houston Roughnecks, it did nothing for me. I just, if yeah. you, I was going to get there when you said he was the best quarterback for sure. Yes, but but they need star players. They need star power, and until they have star players, the star power comes from the Rock. So look, I'm I'm interested in it. There are people out there who want more football. There are people out there who want more things to bet on. And I think as we see more and more states legalize sports wagering to rebuild their budgets post-pandemic, it's going to be weed and wagering. Those are the two ways to rebuild your state budgets. People are going to want things to bet on, and I think they're going to bet like on one of the, two. Uh, the XFL. Oh, I know you do. Uh, <laughs> we'll try to get you to like the other one as well. Uh, maybe we, can t- we can't bet on the NFL per NBC policy, but since we don't cover the XFL, we can bet on the XFL. I don't want to wager and have that bet. stress I on. Bet. I can't do it either. I, I, I don't. I have no desire to do it. I have no desire to do it. Zero. Well, you're like because me. Because for me, you can get emotionally invested without money on the line. And, and here's the other thing, too. When, when, and knock on Formica or whatever this is. The, uh, I mean, we both, we both are doing okay financially, yeah, right? right. For me, I'm not going to get a rush out of winning 50 bucks betting on. So I'm not, I'm not going to care. Right? Who cares? And I'm never going to wager anything of real value. I'm not going to put real money. 500? Would you get a lunacy. rush out of 500? No, I wouldn't. I, and here's the thing. It would torment me to lose the 500. I know it would. Much more than it would make <laughs> me feel good to win the 500. I know it would. Because what I'll think about is all the crap I could have bought with the $500 that I just lost. All those bottles of 1942, you can't buy them anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah all right. three of them. Uh- Thank you for introducing me yeah. to the most expensive tequila on the market, you bastard. <laughs> yes. Got I've got you. that much. I bought, you got me a bottle of it for Christmas. Right. I ordered a second bottle because I can't find it around here. I got that much left, and I'm saving it for, like, a special occasion because I know once it's gone, I'm going to either have to plunk down another 150 bucks or go out on a wild goose chase trying to find it at a liquor store around here. So thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. One, la- one last thing before we go. Rashad Bateman, the Big Ten receiver of the year for 2019 from University of Minnesota, has opted out of the college season. He's wow. done. 
Chris. So he's the second big name to do it. He's a first-round prospect in some mock drafts, but who the hell knows based upon you know the absence of that last season, and we see how names go up and down with that last season. This is in advance of the Big Ten not announcing what they're going to do. There's still a chance the Big Ten's going to shut it down, right, Chris. Right. They, they, they seem to be the most responsible of the Power Five conferences, recognizing where this is going. And it's not going anywhere good. And Rashad Bateman's saying, I'm getting off. I'm not going to be part of this experiment. I'm not going to be your guinea pig here. I'm out. And I think more guys are going to be following suit. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, it just, I, you know, again, we, we're concerned about the NFL. I haven't heard anything to make me give me any optimism as far as college football and how they're going to pull it off. So, and those amount of kids, and, and of course it is kids. And yes, I'm sorry, but you can't trust kids the same way you can trust a 31 NFL, 31 year old NFL football player. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I would, I would not be shocked to see more and more guys, you know, fall off. And yeah, you know, between him up in Minnesota, we had the Virginia Tech corner, right? He was a first round prospect as well. You know, um, yeah, they're they're not sure about the year. They're going to protect their interest. And I know the Virginia Tech kid had a, some family issues too, so it was it was a risk, and he didn't want to take it. And I understand that, you know, especially when you're not hearing a concrete plan or any plan as of right now to how it's going to work. Caleb Farley, the Virginia Tech cornerback, yeah. wrote wrote uh, a, a few paragraphs that were in Football Morning in America. And when you drill down to some of the things he was saying, it's horrifying. You know, hundred guys in a, in an area, and nobody been wearing masks. And guys went on vacation, and they come back, and they're at Myrtle Beach, and they're here and they're there. And um, you know, the, the the problem with the college football programs, there is no uniformity. The NCAA isn't doing anything to require rules and regulations for testing and other protocols and how is that i just the ncaa it just is rules it is rules galore for the players rules I galore know. Deion sanders can't pay five cents for des bryant's lunch but damn well we're not gonna we don't know we don't care about rules we just got to figure out how we're gonna get our money this year that's all it's all about and they, they piss me off the ncaa with their crap yeah, no one is protecting these kids. That's why we applaud what the Pac-12 did, the group of players who posted at theplayerstribune.com their reasons for making demands and their demands. And uh, if, if they're not allowed to have representation via union, if the NCAA isn't going to protect them, then they need to stand up and they need to protect themselves. And they ultimately need to vote with their feet like Caleb Farley has done and like uh, the uh, – Minnesota receiver Rashad Bateman has done, and I think more will be doing the same, uh, especially if they continue on this track. Now, one last thing. The NCAA Board of Governors will meet on Tuesday. They may, and all they can control is the championships, right? The BCS. The Final Four. BCS Final Four. the, The conference championships. They can delay or cancel those, but that won't stop the colleges from playing within the conferences if they choose to do it. So we'll see what happens. We're getting, you know, it's August 4th for crying out loud. And there's no clarity, yeah. no real clarity about what college football is going to do, which tells me they don't know what the hell they're going to do. No, they Three don't. of the conferences say that they plan to play, but I, I just, I, I know that it's a lot of money to walk away from, especially when you don't have to pay the players. But I, I it's unless you've got, the kind of, of protocols the NFL has put in place, Chris, it's irresponsible to put your players at risk and to put the community at risk. Because even if the players don't get sick, you become a super spreader with all those players potentially taking the virus out to the community yeah. and endangering the vulnerable members of the community. And I know the people out there that 
just want the world to go on unaffected by this. Say, well, just 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 isolate the vulnerable. You know, it's 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 uh, what what do you do? You put them in. You put it. You put them literally in a bubble. What do you do to the people who are vulnerable? And there are people who are vulnerable that don't know they're vulnerable. Right. Exactly. A lot of people have diabetes and they don't know they have diabetes. What a way to find out you got diabetes because you died from COVID-19. Yeah. No, I I know. You're right. And these are all things uh, that to worry about. There was a time where I really thought with college football, only the small rich schools like the Notre Dames and the USC's with the small enrollments and they got a lot of money and maybe they would be able to pull it off. But, you know, I I just I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm very pessimistic about college football. And then let me just bring back to one thing. Did you say vote with their feet? You know, I, 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 did you say that? Because I don't even know what yes. that means. I just wanted to explain. That, that. means leave. Oh. That means walk out. Gotcha. You vote with your feet. Gotcha. Bye bye. Big brain All right, right I gotta, here. I figured it out. I gotta, <laughs> I'm gonna vote. I'm gonna vote with my feet. I'm done. You we're done. Great stuff. Uh, we were only gonna do a few minutes today, and it took about twenty. But there's, you know, that's the thing. The two hours that we're on the air, stuff still happens, and uh, it's good to have this extra little show it to uh, kind of catch some of it and talk about it. Chris, great stuff as always. We will be covering everything as it happens. FYI, I have the full letter agreement from the NFL and the NFLPA, which is both a blessing and a curse because now i got to read it and figure it out. But I'll be posting about the details all day long at profootballtalk.com, and we may have some of it to talk about tomorrow morning. Can't Everybody, wait. Shut can't, up. Can't even hey, read. Hey, Matt Casey. Matt Casey, <laughs> shut up. Copy, paste, copy, anyway, paste, snarky see comment. See you tomorrow on Pro Football Talk. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>